Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. These two were faithful slaves of the Lord during their entire Christian lives and have become patterns to us of ones that counted all things lost on account of Christ. Witness Lee completed his most comprehensive work called the Life Study of the Bible just before going to be with the Lord in 1997. This program combines short excerpts from his original speaking, along with some of our own comments and fellowship. And as always, we'd like to hear from you with your thoughts or answer any questions that might arise while you're listening. We'll repeat this contact information at the end of the program, but if you have a pen right now, jot down our toll-free number, which is 888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can reach us by email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. The book of Exodus shows us that the tabernacle represents God's dwelling place and the place in which he can meet with man. But separating God from man are two curtains or veils. Before man can meet with God, he must first pass through these layers of separation. What is the significance of these curtains of blue purple, and scarlet. Well, we hope you'll set the next 30 minutes aside for your own journey through the veil on today's Life Study of the Bible. Matt Miller here once again. Matt, what can I say? You know, years ago, uh, before I was serving the Lord, I was involved with the construction of a large you know, building project. And one of my jobs was to be the person who interfaced with the city and all the inspectors and try to answer all the questions. So I spent hours and hours not being trained in that. I spent hours and hours poring over the blueprints until I really had, you know, become totally familiar with that building just from what was printed on the page. Well, I remember months later when the building was finally built, walking around it that first time. It was like I'd already been there. I knew where things were. So in a sense, that's kind of what we're doing in these uh, programs dealing with the tabernacle, isn't it? It is, Chris. We're looking at the blueprints, exactly how it was laid out through God speaking to Moses on the mountain. And he, he said, you must be careful to build according to the pattern that I give you in the mountain. So this is the pattern. And this is a detailed blueprint, like you said. And here we're talking today about the curtain. The title of this message today is the printed message number 101, the curtain for the door of the tent, message number one. Yeah. This life study of Exodus has 185 messages, and this is a detailed blueprint. Yes. I think there are three. End up, I think we'll have maybe three programs, three messages on, on the details related to the, the curtains. Matt, we've looked at the tabernacle, and the order that Exodus consistently presents all of these things is quite interesting. It's always from the inside out, from the top down. This is really opposite or backwards to our natural way of usually approaching and describing things. We usually start from the outside and work in. What's the significance of the order here? Yeah, the reason that we go from the inside out in the description is because the inside's what's important. The glory is in the Holy of Holies. It's inside that inner curtain. And so the glory where God speaks between the cherubim, 
the propitiation place, the Ark of the Covenant with the hidden manna, that is all in the inner curtain. It's all inside the Holy of Holies. And then you work your way out to the outside where the outsiders see porpoise skin. Yeah. <laughs> so you go all the way from porpoise skin, which is rough, it's ugly, it's not a beautiful sight, all the way to the inside where the beauty and the glory is. Yeah, and all the beauty and glory there is Christ expressing the very life and nature of God in the, in the tabernacle, as we've seen in previous programs. Okay, we're in chapter 26 today. And I think uh, it would be helpful to look at four short verses that will be the subject, really, of the program. In verses 31 and 32, it says, And you shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet strands and fine twined linen. It shall be made with cherubim, the work of a skillful workman. And you shall hang it upon four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold. Their hooks shall be of gold on four sockets of silver. Then we have 36 and 37 in the same chapter. And you shall make a screen for the entrance of the tent of blue and purple and scarlet strands and fine twined linen, the work of an embroiderer. And for the screen you shall make five pillars of acacia and overlay them with gold. Their hooks shall be of gold, and you shall cast five sockets of bronze for them. So, Matt, we have a screen and we have a veil. Or, actually, from the inside-out order, we have a veil and a screen. Here's Witness Lee. What is a veil? A veil is something that covers something so precious from your sight. Even the more from your presence. What is here? The ark is here. And the ark is what? The embodiment of God. That's Christ. God has a history. Whatever God is, and whatever God has done, accomplished, whatever God has obtained, and whatever God has attained to, I tell you, all these make up what? A story. Make up a history. This is God's history. Today, our God is not only the God of what he is, but a God of what he has accomplished, of what he has obtained, and of what he has attained to. This God is altogether embodied in Christ. And this Christ is the ark. And upon this Christ, there is a place, and the redeeming blood is sprinkled on this place. And this is the what? The lead, L-A-D, of the ark. And this lead, this place is called propitiation. Here is God with his history, with his embodiment, with the redemption, with the express glory. In the Holy of Holies, inside you have a golden pot of manna. The hidden manna. And you have the testimony on two tablets. That's the law. And you have the budding rod. So you can see all the diamonds, the top pieces, and gold are treasured here. Here you have something too precious. Not precious to your doctrinal mentality. Precious to your what? To 
your experience. So it is all together worthwhile to cover all the things from you and me. As long as we still remain in the fallen condition. As long as we are still a fallen person uh, with the fallen nature, these things are veiled from our sight, from our presence. Now I understand why this is the veil. Well, Matt, one of the recent programs in this series dealt with the layers of covering that were over the tabernacle, and there was a layer of fine linen colored blue and purple and scarlet with cherubim embroidered on it. This was, again, a covering, like sort of a the tent over the top of the whole structure. Now we have a curtain of a very similar description that serves as a veil. I think it's easy to understand why the tabernacle would need a, you know, a covering, but why does it need a veil? Chris, the veil here is to, as Witness Lee said, is to protect the hidden treasure. There's diamonds inside the Holy of Holies. There's a pot of gold with hidden manna. There's budding rod, Aaron's budding rod. There's the propitiation place where the cherubim are and God speaks. The ark with the uh, tablets that the Ten Commandments are written on. So, so much is precious there. This veil is for hiding and keeping them secret, so to speak. It's a precious, hidden thing in the Holy of Holies. Of course, there's a, a re-speaking in the New Testament regarding the veil. Perhaps we come to that later in the program, but I just have to mention it because to me it's so meaningful. At the moment, of course, that the Lord Jesus was being crucified when that death of his was complete and he said, it is finished, and his spirit was released it says that the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. So this veil is really separating the common human beings, like all of us, from these precious treasures of God, of the divine realm, you know, that are in the Holy of Holies. But once that blood was shed, and then that was, in reality, the real sprinkling on the propitiation cover, wasn't it? The, the separation is removed from man. The way has been opened. We have boldness to enter. As it says in Hebrews, there's an opening for us into this hidden, secret, private place. And it reminds me of the verse in Psalm 90 that says, Blessed is the man that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. He shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Hmm. It's a secret place, but that secret place has been opened by the Lord's death. Well, Matt, we've uh, talked about the first of these two curtains. The first is referred to as the veil between the holy place and the holy of holies. Now, the second curtain will be the subject of our next section, and that is called a screen. And we'll see. There's a significant difference here. Now, the problem is how to enter in. That is the righteous God's dwelling place. And that the place of the God who is love and who is light. This is the dwelling of such a God. Amen. Then look at yourself. How about you? Are you holy? You have to say, my goodness. Oh. Just like Isaiah. You know Isaiah. No, 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 no. I'm dirty. No need to say my entire body, just the two lips. Good enough to keep me away because I'm dirty on my lips. And I am among those who are also dirty on their lips. 
You know this. But God is holy. And we are dirty. And God is righteous. How about you? You are not just. You are not righteous. And his love, you are hatred. And his light, and you are darkness. How could you, such a person, enter into the dwelling place of that kind of God? No possibility. It is impossible. You cannot get in. Do you like to get in? You must match the curtain. Inside is the holy God. Inside is the righteous God. Inside is the God of love and of light. Signified by the fine twined linen with the heavenly color. You see, with the purple royal color, with the gold, the divine expression. This curtain is a wonderful description of what God is. And this description becomes what? Your burial. Then how could you pass through this burial? Christ was judged by God for your sins and for my sins. This kind of death of Christ becomes a screen. What is a screen? We all know today you have screens. You know, in my home, on my house, the most thing I lack is the screen. If you take away the screen, I cannot sleep. Just one little mosquito. Or just one little fly. My wife knows this. My, when one fly gets into my house, my wife just one become ten policemen. She has to catch that fly. Now you understand what is screen. They keep away all the naughty things. On the one hand, he become a screen. On the other hand, he forms an entry for you and me, the redeemed sinners, to enter into God's dwelling. It's really wonderful. You have entered. Hallelujah. You have entered. Very good. You were kept away, but now you enter in. Because Christ died for your sins. And he was judged by God for you. You enter where? Hallelujah for the holy place. Isn't the holy place wonderful? It is wonderful. Man, this was a very good section. I think it was very clear. I, I love the verse he referred to, Isaiah 6, 5. Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Now, this is the prophet Isaiah, one of the great figures of the Old Testament. And he was speaking words that were self-disqualifying for being able just to walk into God's presence. So how much more are we, Matt, the mosquitoes and the flies that need to be screened out. And we don't even know it. We, we're a mosquito and a fly, and we think we can just fly right into God's presence, and then we get screened out by the glory of this curtain, this screen. It's not a physical screen, but as you come through this curtain, as you come through this veil, Christ's glory brings us to the condition that 
Isaiah described, woe is me, we realize it's impossible for us in our fallen condition to enter into God's presence. It's wonderful how this ended, though, Chris. How wonderful for Christ's death. I just want to say that we aren't qualified. Woe is us. We are unclean, and we're not qualified. But praise the Lord for Christ's death, because Christ's death has made a way for us to enter through the veil, to come past that curtain that would normally screen us out. And that's why we have boldness through the blood. You know, I remember praying with Witness Lee many times, and he would always thank the Lord for his precious blood. I just was reminded of that here, that if it weren't for the Lord's blood and his death for us, we wouldn't be able to enter into the holy place. Praise the Lord. On the earth today, there is a holy place, Yes, and there is the precious blood so we can enter. Matt, this is, of course, the great discovery I think, you know, on the on the Christian path, you know, it's the uh, Pilgrim's Progress discovery that John Bunyan made that has impacted the earth for centuries, you know. But there's a goal for our being cleansed in the blood of Christ, and that's not simply to obtain the forgiveness. Really, the goal was to enable a way to come through these this screen and come through the veil. Then, as you mentioned at the beginning, boldly boldly to enter into God's presence. So as believers, are we really taking the full advantage of what's been provided for us in this glorious uh, salvation and free gift that God has given to us through our act of believing into him? I don't think so, Chris. I don't think we're activating the boldness that we need, that we should have based on the Lord's death and based on his blood. Our boldness is not because of us generating something out of ourself, but there is a basis. And and the foundation, we talked about this the other day, is based on 10,000 pounds of silver representing a solid base of Christ's redemption. And so we have a solid base to stand on. Even our coming through this veil with the purple, the royal purple, the heavenly blue, all the beauty representing Christ and his glory and his righteousness, that we cannot pass through that without the blood. But we do have the blood. Right. And so we should remember the blood. Come forward with boldness. I mean, this is what Hebrews mentions over and over. Come forward to God. Come forward to the Holy of Holies. Right. Come forward with boldness. And along the way, we'll get the benefit of the light coming off the lampstand, which will point out and direct us to the bread of the presence on the showbread table where we can feast on God, and then ultimately be ushered through the second altar, the altar of incense, into the Holy of Holies, where it says that God speaks with man face to face between these cherubim, between his two cherubim testifying of his glory. What a privilege, what a heritage we as believers have. And I just think for myself, I just too often just take the blood in a casual way and don't realize what it's really able to do for me. This is what God wants. God sent his son. Christ died on the cross to shed the blood to make this way open so that we could be in the Holy of Holies and speak to God face to face. Why would we stay outside? Well, Matt, this almost has turned into kind of a gospel meeting where you and I are preaching the gospel back and forth to one another. But that's also actually we'll see fitting in this final section because we're coming out to the pillars upon which these curtains hung. Both curtains. The outer curtain 
and the inner veil, both are what put on pillars, attached to pillars. In other words, this attachment is a kind of identification. The veil is identified with the pillars, and the pillars are identified with the veil. Who is the veil? Christ. Who are the pillars? Surely, they are not Christ because Christ is singular. Christ is not plural. So the veil is Christ, it is singular. The pillars are we, we are plural. And this means what? This means Christ is identified with us, and we are identified with Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. When you become attached to Christ, identified with Christ, you become a pillar. I believe you all have believed that Christ died for you. But you believe in this? Yet, according to experience, you are not thoroughly attached to Christ in this matter. Why? Because you say, yeah, yeah, Christ died for me, I believe. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> That's all. I go to sleep. I go to work, I go to eat, I go, I go, Christ died for me, I died for my sins, and so forth. <sighs> but there are some Christians, they are crazy in praising this gospel. Day and night, they would go to tell people, Christ died for you. Christ died for you. You are a sinner. Christ died for you. I tell you, when you are so crazy going out to tell everybody, by that time you are a pillar. You are attached to the curtain. When I was young, I got a great help from dear Modi. I tell you, Modi was a pillar. These pillars are in the front. The evangelists, the crazy preachers of Christ are just in the front of the church. But some are in the inner chamber within the church. I tell you, these are the ones who experience Christ deeper. And they, day by day, attach themselves to the what? To the uh, rent veil. To the broken veil. To the very Christ who was terminated in his flesh. And day by day, they attach themselves to such a Christ bearing a testimony that they were terminated, their flesh has been crucified on the cross. They become such peers, not in the front, but within. Church life needs these two categories of pillars. If there's the sort of people like Paul, Peter, and John, you don't have the pillars in the church. So, we have to be either identified with the judge, the Christ, or identified with the crucified Christ. When pillars like this are in the front, and pillars like this are in the inner chamber, God dwelling place 
past the entrances. Then people will enter. Well, Matt, we end the program with these screens uh, anchored by these, held up by these pillars, are now entrances. When we began, they were to separate us and to keep us out. But because of the work of Christ and the faithfulness of these two different kinds of pillars, those who are all the time compelled to preach this gospel, and what we've been talking about all day and enjoying so much, that the blood is shed. We've got a bold entrance. They're holding up one set of curtains that enable people to come in initially to the tabernacle. And then there's another set of pillars holding up the veil between the holy place and the holy of holies. And these are really the ones that go before us and have experienced him in a deeper way that really help light the way for us. They're both crucially important, aren't they, in the church? Yes, Chris, what a picture that he used the example of D.L. Moody preaching the gospel. Christ died for our sins. We need to hear this gospel. You need evangelists to get people saved. That's to enter into the holy place. To enter into the holy place, you need to hear the gospel. You need to enter into God. Well, then you get into the holy place. There's another set of pillars that experience Christ in a deeper way. Those are holding the rent Christ, the Christ who's been torn, the Christ who's been judged. They're having a deeper experience of the cross to themselves where they're personally touched. And so they can become an entrance to help you further in your experience of Christ you need both of these. If you don't have the evangelist, you don't have people. Right. You've got to have some people. Right. But if you have only the evangelist, then you have a bunch of people who never enter deeper into the experience of Christ. They never enter all the way through the second set of pillars into the Holy of Holies. You know, there's a point in the uh, message that due to time we weren't able, of course, to include everything, but he makes that point you just made. I just want to, I think, maybe to end today. We just touched this very briefly. There's two aspects to the death of Christ. The first is our redemption, the shedding of the blood for our forgiveness, enabling us to go all the way in. But as we progress through the holy place and ultimately into the holy of holies, we need the second aspect of his death, which you just alluded to, and that is Christ also died to terminate, to crucify us, didn't he? Amen, Chris. Well, another marvelous program, (laughs) marvelous subject matter at least, whether this became a marvelous program or not, I would dare not say, but what we were handling today was marvelous once again, and uh, I'm really glad to have these times together. God's salvation is marvelous. Yeah, it is. His full salvation where we come all the way in. That's all we have time for today. Thanks so much for listening, and we look forward to uh, enjoying this fellowship with you all the next time we come together. Do you want to know the deeper truths of the Bible? Wish you could attend a Bible study but just don't have the time? Well, if you enjoyed this program, then we invite you to visit our website, at lsmradio.com. From there, you'll find programs on every book of the Bible and all free of charge. These programs will not only give you a more profound understanding of the Scriptures, but also refresh and revitalize your daily Christian walk. From our website, you can download the MP3 files, stream them live, or subscribe to the podcast. Again, all free of charge. Once more, that website, lsmradio.com. Dot com.
Thanks for listening.